0: Welcome, we're Kevin Smith and Mark Bleicher from Arite Incident Response. We're excited to share actual incident response cases, chat about IT security, and introduce you to the most influential players in the industry. With that, let's get moving, and thanks for joining this episode of Security Superpowers. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Security Superpowers. Today, we're covering a very timely topic, the 2020 elections. Now, social media is an obvious election topic, but I'd rather take the path less traveled this morning and talk about what is at risk during this election, and that's data. Now, candidate information certainly is a key component of the data that we rely on to make our voting decisions. Here to help us dive into this topic is our very own Jim Yeager, president and co-founder of Arate Incident Response. Good morning, Jim.
1: Thanks, Kevin. It's it's exciting to join you with a a topic that is so relevant uh, right now in in our national events. So uh, let's jump in.
0: Absolutely. Um, You know, from a high-level perspective, uh, what are the most obvious attack vectors that you see out there currently?
1: Yeah, I think we have to look at uh, both overt targeted attack vectors And then the, uh, I would say somewhat less intentional, but potentially this year, more disruptive uh, attack vectors like ransomware, uh, where the attackers may not be deliberately looking to screw up our election, but they can cause an awful lot of confusion uh, and erode confidence, frankly, uh, in our infrastructure.
0: And when you say they, I can only imagine there's nation states <laughs> targeting us uh, in, in their own unique way. Who, who are the who are the they?
1: Yeah, great, great question, Kevin. Uh, in terms of overtly targeting the election, it, it would be nation states primarily. Uh, Russia, potentially China. Uh, we're seeing some strange activity from Iran. Uh, but they're the organizations that have a reason to go after the election itself. The indirect uh, attackers are frankly cyber criminals, and we're, we're seeing a continuing increase in attacks on state and local government. Uh, and, and in our system, it's the state and local governments that uh, are responsible for elections. And so attacks on their infrastructure, uh, unfortunately, can, can, whether intended to screw up the election or not, uh, those attacks can certainly have a serious effect in undermining confidence uh, by the public in, in the infrastructure that they're using to vote.
0: Any specific groups, per se?
1: Well, I, I think uh, again, in terms of cyber criminals, because they're not necessarily overtly targeting the election, although uh, there has been some questions raised in that regard. Cyber criminals are after uh, a payout, typically uh, a cash out associated with ransomware. Uh, mm-hmm. And there is some potential for increased attacks in the next week or two, uh, because the pressure of the election uh, and restoring their systems may lead some local governments to pay where they might not otherwise pay.
0: Mm, uh, there's more urgency,
1: yes, exactly. Um, now the the groups there you, that you asked about. I would say we're probably looking at pretty much the same groups that that you and i battle every day uh -hmm. you know the the typical ransomware families like ryuk sadina kibi uh and others uh they're just continuing uh what they've been doing all year and in fact you know this year we're seeing essentially double the level of ransomware attacks that we saw in the past, and we are seeing a lot of uh, again, state and especially local uh, governments hit. Um, you know, we seem to work one of those almost every week or or every other week
0: when they're attacking. Um, I mean, the obvious is is just a complete just complete destruction of of the municipalities ability to process data. Right. So a ransomware attack is, is clearly, uh, going to take them out. But what do you see as the overall goal of these cyber criminals and these state actors as well? I mean, what, what are they trying to do?
1: So again, I think we have to treat, uh, nation state actors differently than cyber criminals. I'll start with the cyber criminals, uh, they are looking just to maximize the money that they can get in ransomware payments and cash outs. Um, Typically, you're going to see relatively quick attacks, they'll deploy malware. Uh, In some cases, we see precursor malware like Emotet. Uh, In Louisiana, uh, There's been significant reports over the last month of use of a remote access Trojan as well, the uh, Kim Jong rat. um, And some speculation that that was tied to North Korea because that rat had been used previously by North Korean hackers. But it's out now in the wild and in repositories. And so... Almost anyone could pick it up and, and use it. Uh, hmm. Again, I would say what what the attackers are were doing in Louisiana was trying to gain a foothold in multiple local government systems, probably in preparation for a concerted uh, ransomware attack, uh, where they could elevate again the amount of money they're getting, uh, as we get closer to the election. Fortunately, this one was detected. Uh, Louisiana, uh, brought in not only, uh, 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 commercial cybersecurity companies, uh, to help them clean this up, but they also brought in the, uh, Louisiana national guard cyber team. So I think that caught it early and, uh, and hopefully they're not going to have a problem. But we see that in other states, Uh, uh, Washington, Georgia. Again, it's not an attack on typically on the state government. Uh, In Georgia, it was Hall County. Um, And they, again, this was ransomware. Uh, They did shut down a system that had, had a voter database on it, but, um, they're back up and running so so far we're not seeing anything that would cause major impacts on on the voting process
0: it's very clear <clears throat> that they're using this time frame right because everyone is going to react with an enormous sense of urgency when something like a voter database gets Uh, compromised. Um, How interconnected, if at all, are those databases with the voting machines? I mean, are they separate systems for the most part?
1: Uh, Great question, Kevin. It really varies. And and here's, frankly, what gives me uh, reasonable confidence that that no one's going to be able to bring down the election system. It's the diversity, because typically these are county run systems. Uh, They are thousands of, of systems supported by a lot of different equipment from different manufacturers, the processes may be slightly different. So it, it makes it almost impossible for a concerted nation state attack to try and bring down the, the infrastructure because it's all different. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some cases, those voter databases are connected directly to the machines, but very, very rarely. Uh, what you see in most polling places is kind of a two-step process. Uh, the first step is when you come in, you present your credentials, a voter ID card, maybe a driver's license uh, to essentially clerks sitting at, the, at a table. And mm-hmm. they check that against a printed list uh, for the county that you're voting in. And so that's fairly offline and not directly connected to the voting machines, which is, which is probably a good thing. What's interesting here uh, in, again, Hall County in Georgia, the uh, database that the attackers actually locked up uh, was a signature database that had copies of the signatures for the, the uh, registered uh, voters. Now they have a, a manual system. And again, this has all been now uh, decrypted, unlocked and they're good to go. But they, if this had happened during the election, uh, they had a, a manual copy of those signatures and they still could have compared and confirmed And where the signatures in this case, and and in fact are somewhat more critical this year is they're used primarily for uh, ballots provided by mail. That's how they check the authenticity of those ballots. Uh, Their process again is to check the signature as soon as the ballot comes in, they don't count the ballots until the actual election, but they verify that it's a, it's a valid uh, ballot, and and that fortunately you know is spread over a period of weeks uh, to verify that the signature in the ballot um, prior to the election. So there are a lot of things that make our uh, local election process relatively robust and and relatively uh, difficult to compromise
0: and i think that adding to that complexity i don't want to uh plug into the rhetoric that exists out there but it almost seems like the mail-in process adds yet another layer of complexity that would be just very difficult
1: you're you're right on target there uh if, if anything uh the the pendulum swing towards mail-in paper ballots this year has probably uh, reduced some of the risk uh, some of the cyber risk
0: Mm -hmm. that we see i i want to circle back a little bit because um we were talking before the before we started recording about um primary state actors and I, I want to just bounce in because, you know, there's like a new player in the game, right? I mean, we, we hear Russia, 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 Russia and, in you know, a little bit of China here and there. But 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 there's a new there's a new uh, there's a new threat actor in town, uh, Iran. Uh, how, how are they? I mean, what's their M.O.? Uh, and, yeah, you know, how, how I mean, being so new to the game, how, how, how sophisticated are these things?
1: yeah wow that that's a great question and I think you hit the nail right on the head is that it's the lack of sophistication that says they're not going to have a whole lot of impact now do does Iran have a significant cyber capability? Yes they do uh, but what we're what we've seen so far in this election is, Almost amateur hour. Uh, there's a group uh, from Iran who's calling themselves uh, Proud Boys, and they're all they're not hacking. They're just sending emails uh, to registered voters. Uh, and in much of the voter information in the U.S. is actually considered public information in terms of voter rolls, so there are there are ways they can get access to this voter information and send people emails, and that's what they're doing. Uh, basically, threatening that if if they don't vote for one party uh, or if they don't change their party affiliation. Uh, the proud boys are going to know about it, and they're going to come after them. Um, and again, it's it's so crude that uh, I, I really characterize it as amateur hour.
0: <laughs> it's it's a bit like uh, the Nigerian prince email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, send me send me your home address and your and your bank account information, and we'll go ahead and and we'll uh, deposit two million dollars. <laughs> Um, you've identified that, that the, you know, the, 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 threat, the non-state sponsored threat actors are really just, you know, they're, they're churning out, uh, these attacks to generate money. So clearly we know what their, what their motivation is and, and because it's a hot topic. And because everybody is relying on the efficiency and the, and the expedience of a, of the election system, it's a prime target. Um. But if if a state sponsored attack occurred, what kind of other things? I mean, besides the election process itself, there's got to be a lot of other dependencies uh, that live out there that are open targets.
1: Yeah. Uh, Clearly, social media and the potential for misinformation spreading rapidly, especially in in the time immediately prior to uh, uh, election day, uh, is clearly a problem. And, you know, we see that we continue to see that. Um, I guess I would just stress that if if something sounds too good to be true, uh, then double check it uh, before mm-hmm. you before you spread it further. Uh, there are a number of ways, you know, check with local election officials uh check the press, although they can also be a victim of of misinformation. Check sources like Snopes, uh, S-N-O-O-P-S. Snopes is really good at quickly jumping on rumors and misinformation and uh, discrediting it. So typically all you have to do is, is enter one or two key buzzwords from the social media post that, you know, that you got that sounds wonderful, uh, just mm-hmm. enter it. And uh, Snopes generally will, will give you a very, they'll give you actual evidence of how that misinformation was started to build up over the last week, that type of thing, where it first appeared, uh, you know who's responsible for spreading it Uh, so I know it is so tempting to, to believe, you know, that, that the candidate that you're not for is having problems, but I, I would seriously check those before, you know, before reposting
0: how real of a threat are things like infrastructure. Uh, electricity right i mean if they if they compromised our electrical system on election day or the you know transportation system um how at risk are those um those components of the of election day efficacy uh to prevent people from voting
1: yeah great great question Uh, i think those kinds of components are something that uh certainly are are a concern certainly can be at risk but uh they're at risk every day uh Mm -hmm. you know the electric grid there's there's probably times to take down the electric grid that would be even more disruptive than during voting Mm um and and so that's probably one of the, the good things that's happened in the last five plus years is the increased focus on infrastructure in general uh, and how to secure it and protect it. Uh, I certainly don't want to say we've solved all of those problems, but we're putting a lot of focus on it. Mm-hmm. Having said that, uh, there is a Russian Hacking group, uh, probably government related, uh, called Energetic Bear, and uh, CISA at Department of Homeland Security, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, uh, did just put out a warning that said uh, Energetic Bear is is stepping up its attacks to gain credentials, and and multiple ways to access different infrastructures. Uh, so, you know, we're paying attention. We put out the alerts. And uh, fortunately, I don't see that being a major threat to
0: the election. So <clears throat> what kind of steps can these municipalities take to build that wall around that data um, knowing how critical it is to just keep, keep people, you know, going, you know, coming in and, and going out of the voting uh, you know, the voting hall, what can they do uh, to, to reassure themselves and others that they're taking steps to protect that data?
1: Yes. This is, this is really a big one because not only, uh, can voter data impact uh, the actual voting process, but it also, again, can really generate confidence in our local governments or really undermine the confidence uh, in the local government and election. There are a, a few things that can be done uh, to make dramatic enhancements in in the level of security. Uh, Some of them are very simple. And any, any security officer, you know, will tell you, you need to make sure you're patching uh, that you've got strong passwords. But there's probably two that I would flag uh, as as really raising the bar uh, and making it much more difficult for attackers. One is to use two factor authentication. Uh, so this is in addition to using your uh, ID and password when you log into systems, uh, it adds a text message or something, uh, a token with a number that also has to be entered. And so that's why it's called two factor. It's your, verifying who you are, two different ways. And it makes it much, much more difficult for attackers. It's relatively cheap to implement. I I think every online banking system now uses two factor uh, authentication. So that one's that one's very critical. The other thing that I would really emphasize in particular, in blocking these ransomware attacks is the use of behavioral-based endpoint uh, detection and prevention, EDR. Um, Many of the basic security tools that are used today like antivirus are based on the signature, a string of code or something in the malware. And if that's detected, then then you block it. The problem is if you change just a period in the code, uh, it, it changes the signature, and so signature-based antivirus systems are not very effective. And in fact, you know the the cases that you and I work uh, in, every case where they've gotten locked down by ransomware, they had antivirus and. Mm-hmm antivirus either didn't detect uh, the malware or the ransomware, or it didn't block it. And and so antivirus systems in in my mind are almost worthless. There is a new category of systems called behavioral based endpoint uh, detection and response, EDR, uh, that operate not by looking for strings of code, But for they look for that activity to try to the the activity that encrypts computers, so you can't access them. As soon as they see that activity, they they immediately block it and stop it. And uh, in particular, there's, there's a few EDR systems today uh, that are augmented by artificial intelligence and machine learning. And we use these when we get called in on ransomware attacks we deploy uh, these tools immediately to block the spread of the ransomware and as long as they are deployed properly they are a hundred percent effective i just can't emphasize that enough
0: and and that's a pretty short list jim (laughs) (laughs) yeah anything else i mean you know patching certainly makes sense passwords certainly make sense two-factor authentication has always been a, a very powerful um ally and great a great edr solution um anything else that uh you know in terms of protecting you know municipalities just what what do we do uh anything else that you can think of
1: as you said, Kevin, there are the basics of cybersecurity that we should all be doing. But uh, when it comes to protecting against ransomware, which is by far the the biggest problem today, uh, you know we're typically getting a hundred attacks breaches a month uh, from cyber insurance companies that they want want us to help the victim clean up, restore their operations, uh, of those 100 a month, at least 50% are ransomware. And, mm. and so, again, a, a good EDR system that, that can just absolutely block ransomware is, is going to save businesses, going to save state and local governments a, a huge amount of money. Uh, sure. so I, am going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep coming back to that one.
0: Sure. Sure. A- a- as you should. So <clears throat> I think as we get closer to wrapping up here, what lessons did we learn that can, that we can bring forward to 2020? What lessons did we learn for in 2016 that we're bringing forward, uh, and applying to this, to this election cycle?
1: Yeah, that that is the great question, because at times, you know, I, I, I used to say we have got such a huge opportunity coming out of the 2016 elections uh, to learn those lessons and make sure we don't have a situation, you know, where the Russians were able to muck around in the Democratic National Committee infrastructure in the Democratic National Congressional Committee Infrastructure. Uh, I was really hoping that coming out of the election, we would see a major focus on cybersecurity. And I can't say that that happened. But we certainly have taken a number of actions. one of them was the federal government started providing s- uh, support to the the uh, primary political parties uh, you know giving them cybersecurity advice uh, and support and uh, you know I'll knock on wood but i think the fact that we haven't seen a major attack on the the party infrastructures is probably a lesson uh, learned uh, that we've implemented. Um, Again, CISA, the uh, cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency at DHS is kind of the focal point for providing a lot of that support. Um, Not only, you know, to organizations like the parties, but also at the state and local level, they've put out a couple of warnings related to this election, uh, you know, that in terms of things to watch for. So I, I think that we probably have learned some lessons in, mm-hmm. and it's really good to see now the the, uh, the, the one interesting footnote. So the, the two Russian organizations that were involved in attacking, uh, Again, the Democratic National Committee, uh, mm-hmm. Cozy Bear and Fancy Bear, uh, we almost uh, they almost became household words in the cybersecurity community. Uh, what's really interesting is in this during this time period, uh, Cozy Bear uh, has almost totally shifted it their focus. And, and I think it's pretty clear that that's based on governmental direction. They are now focusing, uh, uh, unfortunately, their attacks on organizations doing research related to COVID, and in particular, uh, uh, vaccine development. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, maybe that's is a there good a thing. Like
0: exfiltrate? I mean, are they trying to just exfil data? Um, fr- from these organizations. Yes, it, it appears to be an effort to
1: uh, assist the Russian uh, vaccine developers hmm. with shor- with shortcuts.
0: I feel like uh, we're a lot better off um, overall than maybe the narrative is alluding to. Um, i feel like you know that we certainly have and i think that that's always going to be the case there's always going to be those vectors of attack that threat actors are going to take to disrupt their you know to create chaos i mean if anything you know just the fact that the possibility exists creates chaos in many cases i i think in some cases we're you know we're we're drinking that Kool-Aid ourselves and i think in some cases we're generating it ourselves but the fact that the threat is there, um, misinformation, I mean, I think that, you know, we're, we're clearly paying attention to it from a face, you know, Facebook and Twitter and, and all of the social media outlets that that somehow percolate that kind of misinformation. I think we're, we're paying attention to that. I don't think we have a solution per se, but we're getting closer, I think, at least, you know, in my perspective, being the greatest country on earth. When we focus on something and put laser light focus on a particular topic, believe me, that, that problem will get solved one way or another. Um, but I think from, it, from a data protection perspective, from a, an election process perspective, I don't feel terrible that, that we're just this completely vulnerable uh, country. Waiting to be hacked or waiting to be, you know, waiting to have data exfiltrated or, or erased or changed. I, I feel pretty confident that we're doing what we need to do mostly uh, to ensure that. Yeah,
1: I would echo that. Um, you know, again, one of the things that came out of the 2016 election was certainly a much heightened awareness of the the cyber risks uh, to elections, so with that heightened awareness, there certainly is more reporting, uh, both announcements by government organizations like CISA, uh, as well as re, you know press reporting. Uh, mm-hmm. The fact that. That with that increased reporting, that we're not seeing, we're not finding serious problems, uh, certainly gives me the same hope that, that you just mentioned, that uh, we're in a much better position than we have been.
0: Sure. It, and isn't it, at the end of the day, accountability, right? It, I mean, just holding each agency in each level and you know, accountable um, to standards that you know we, we may never have in every single county in the United States. Uh, the, you know, a, a voting mechanism that's exactly the same, but the data accountability, right? As I mean, that's what's important.
1: Yes, um, just the fact that you know we're not seeing the national level. Uh, attacks, that the attacks that we are seeing this year uh, are at the the local level, primarily, uh, mm-hmm. basically just says that that's kind of the softest part of our infrastructure. Uh, oftentimes, county governments uh, and school systems are not well-funded, uh, so they can't be the the first to move to again the behavioral uh endpoint protection system Uh, but the the fact that we are we've solved the big problems and now we're we're focusing more and more as you and i see every day on the uh, local government level um, Mm -hmm. that's also a very positive indicator
0: for sure and so I think I'm just gonna. I, I want to close out today uh, with some advice for the people that are listening, right? There's a lot of um, there's great advice for municipalities and businesses. Again, you know, covering those you know server patches, password management, two factor authentication, and, and clearly that that a really effective EDR solution. Um, how can the people that are voting, keep themselves safe, Uh, any advice for them as we close out? Yeah, I think
1: the answer there is kind of keep your sensors up. Uh, If, if things don't look right, ask a question. If things don't feel right uh, as a voter, you know, you you've got the right to have a secure and reliable voting system. And, and so it behooves each of us to pay attention to uh, what's going on around us in uh, the environment in which we are conducting the election. Uh, as you noted, accountability is important. So uh, we should not hesitate to raise our concerns with, with our local government, uh, again, If if something looks like a problem, then let's get it out in the open and uh, uh, so we can work it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I am looking forward to this uh, election season. Uh, I am uh, grateful that we're not seeing bigger problems. And uh, I think that's a great thing for our country.
0: Indeed it is. Indeed it is. Jim, as always, thank you, sir. Totally appreciate you joining us today.
1: You bet, Kevin. Uh, just, uh, again, comparing how things felt in 2016, um, I, I now have a fancy bear sitting on my desk because <laughs> that consumed a big part of uh, uh, a month or two leading into the election. And the fact that we're not facing uh, that kind of a problem uh, this year is a very, very good thing.
0: A true testament to, as I stated earlier, when when our country decides to really laser light focus on a particular issue, uh, solutions tend to find their way to where they need to be. So, you know, I, I'm... Uh, I, like you, I'm very grateful and, and again, uh, feel very comfortable with with uh, the election ahead and, and look forward to uh, many more in the future. So thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend. And uh, as always, uh, we, we can't wait to have you back again.
1: <laughs> okay, Kevin. I always enjoy these.
0: We hope you enjoyed our episode regarding election security. If you haven't already done so, please make sure to cast your vote. It's certainly a privilege to live in a country where our voices and our vote count. Thank you, Colin Hanks and Severin Fortin for their efforts and for you, our listeners, for checking in. Stay safe, stay smart, and join us again for another episode of Security Superpowers.